This week on Media Delta. There is perhaps no action movie with the same cultural impact than the 1988 film Die Hard. This film, based on the Roderick Thorpe novel Nothing Lasts Forever, practically created an entire genre of its own. While there have been plenty of movies before it where one person stands alone against a massive force, Die Hard brought it down to earth by focusing on the everyman characteristics and vulnerabilities of the protagonist, which became part of the charm. It was natural then that since this film came out in the era where console video games were becoming all the rage, that multiple games based on Die Hard would be made. As of this recording, we have only covered the NES game through Retroank Rhapsody, but that will not be the only one. Before we rank those through Retroank Rhapsody, let's take a look to see if the film holds up to the hype as we look at Die Hard the movie. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Media Delta. Um, by the time that this is going to be released, and I believe if my schedule is correct, uh, this will be releasing on uh, December 12th, um, that puts it in prime time for the holiday season. And what better time to celebrate, or what better movie to celebrate that with than Die Hard? Which, um, it's a Christmas movie. It's a Christmas movie, damn it. Yes. Um, but uh, to... Um, talk about this Christmas movie, um, which, by the way, uh, probably should mention the fact that, yeah, as this is um, a game that, or not game, a movie that has had several games based on it, it is definitely something that we should take a look at in terms of movies that had games based on it. Um, and uh, here to talk about this movie with me, uh, I have uh, three others. So, uh, Please introduce yourself in alphabetical order. Hey, I'm Max. I'm the first. That's all Hi, I got. Next person. I'm next in alphabetical order. <laughs> Do I <Damn>. though? <laughs> oh, I'm last. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Torpid Typist, and I love Rudy Tooty Point and Shooty. Perfect. <laughs> All right, so so uh, Die Hard. Yes, it is an action movie staple. Um, it was it's so good. It's a movie that came out in 1988, um, kind of almost out of nowhere because the director of this movie uh, kind of. I don't think he made anything. Uh, oh, okay. Take it back. He definitely made he made a lot of things, but at this point, this was his third movie. Um, uh, the director of this movie is John. Oh, let's see, it is John McTiernan, I believe is how you pronounce that. Uh, other movies that yeah. he has directed uh, are Predator, uh, Hunt for the Red October, uh, Fight of the Intruder, Last Action Hero, um, the remake of Thomas Crown Affair and Rollerball, and those are kind of his most prominent ones. Um, but yes, uh, this movie is based on actually based on a novel uh, released by Roderick Thorpe. Uh, called Nothing Lasts Forever, uh, which is basically it is that novel is in itself part of a series that uh, the or it is a sequel to another novel called the the Det the Detective, which oddly enough the character who plays well Bruce Willis's character in the, in Die Hard was actually originally played by uh, Frank Sinatra. Just as a point of <laughs> trivia, so imagine Frank Sinatra as John McClane. 
I try not to. Yeah, that'd, that'd be really weird. But anyway, um, screen wrote uh, the screen uh, play was written by two people, uh, Jeb Stewart and one Stephen E. D'Souza. Um, and uh, it's kind of notable because it didn't really have any big name actors to it when it originally came out. Um, it, uh, yeah, because the biggest name at the time, it was actually something that would be kind of controversial um, when it came out because it didn't, it was a weird casting. Uh, Bruce Willis as John McClane. Uh, the main action hero. Because at this point in time, in 1988, Bruce Willis was definitely not an action hero. Uh, The only big role that he had at this point uh, was as one of the main characters in the comedy, uh, like it's almost, I believe it's a rom-com called uh, Moonlighting, where he played one of the lead characters. So it's kind of like when Michael Keaton was cast as Batman, or I guess... Clooney. Or Clooney was dressed or classed yeah. as Batman. And it was like, why do you have this comedy actor? Uh, also a musician at this point. Cause I think people kind of forget that he was actually a musician at some point. Bruce Willis was a musician. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, by that, by this reaction, you could tell about how good his music was. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea this dude did music. Okay. Yeah, there's a reason, I guess. Okay. I'm yeah. Gonna find, I'm gonna I find believe some. it was actually a rap album, too, that he worked oh, on. No, no, oh, okay. no. 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 I can't, I can't yeah, imagine that. That's tragic. I'm assuming it's Marky Mark levels of bad. Uh, maybe not. Yeah, I don't was. know. But yes. Um, hey, Bruce Willis says the uh, main character, John McClane. Uh, everyone else really did not have, there weren't really any big names, uh, at least at the time, because a big name now, a definite big name now, uh, that had his film debut in this movie as one Alan Rickman as Hans Gruber. God, uh, rest in peace. Yeah, at this point in time. I can't believe Hans Gruber killed Dumbledore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I'm just thinking, are yeah, there was had to. There's Harry Potter games on the Game Boy Color, wasn't there? Uh, yeah, at least on the shit. PlayStation. Shit. You're just looking for a way to get Harry Potter in. I'm just trying to hope that I didn't have to, but now that I realize, I think I might have. Hold to. on. God damn it. There's a bunch of Harry Potter games. Yeah. Anyway. Hold on. I'm looking it up. Yeah, Game Boy Color, Harry Potter, and the Sorcerer's Stone. I'm pretty sure there was a PlayStation game based on that shit. Uh, I'm not uh, at some point. You're forgetting Reginald Vell Johnson. Oh, right, Reginald Vell Johnson, right. But he was, yes, so he was more, because Family yeah, family Matters was on at this point. Oh, I forgot that he was in Ghostbusters. Yeah. Um, but yes, uh, those were kind of the main actors, or like the main, the, the prominent actors, I guess, in that movie. Um, outside of two very notable character actors, when we'll get to their characters later on, because they play... <laughs> The actors who play them, or that play those characters, they have a type. And boy, howdy, are they that type in this movie. Um, but anyway. Um, I just wanted to let you know, Lolo, you're released from fear because it's all post-2001. Yeah, but if it's a PlayStation game. Oh, okay, never mind then. Yeah, you're screwed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, I guess, I guess we just really go and dive in the movie because the music in this movie, I don't think there was really anything notable outside of a, a huge amount. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of Ode to Joy. A lot of Ode to Joy, but also like a lot of the music had like fucking like Christmas bells. Yep. Yes. And it was and mostly I hated it. It was. It was. There wasn't like a real like as far as from I remember, it wasn't like a a, a noticeable soundtrack. It's really just more sort it of. It is largely ambient. Yeah. Yeah. Also, no, it was, it was hard to, 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 to emphasize the action and all that, yeah. but it wasn't. Ne- it was never really on display. I also want it on record that Jingle Bells are the single worst instrument next to the chord. And, and it's Kenny- in every fucking track. Yeah, because it's fucking Christmas. It's yeah. awful. <laughs> I, it's I'm, so bad. I'm looking at the soundtrack listing on IMDb, and all of it is uh, Christmas standards, with the exception of two actual like recorded songs. Uh, one being. Uh, Christmas, uh, Christmas and Hollis by Rum DMC, uh, and a version of Let It Snow, Let It Snow, Let It Snow, uh, performed by Vaughn Monroe. But don't worry, it's not a Christmas movie. No, definitely yeah, it's, not a yeah, Christmas movie. It's, it's a Christmas also, movie. Also, apparently there's two songs that were also used in other movies. There is a song that apparently it's l- not listed in the credits, but a song from Aliens apparently is somewhere played in here. Also a song from Man on Fire. Okay. Yeah. Because okay. I, hmm, I'd have to rewatch it because I, I did watch Aliens oh, last also, year. It could be it's listed on the IMDb thing, which that anyone can edit that, so it could all be bullshit. Yeah, it could be. Um, I feel like if 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 I had heard something that was from Aliens, I probably would have picked up on it though. Yeah. Because Aliens' soundtrack was fairly like significant. You could tell it was an Aliens movie. Yeah. Um, but anyway. But yeah, I guess really. Yeah, because really the thing about this is that this it's such a staple of the action genre that I guess really the only like thing to go is just to talk about it because um, its plot is basically has been reused enough times that it's kind of a trope. Well, well, in the sense of a TV trope kind of thing, but it's Die Hard on an X is such an like a thing that. Um, to be this. fair, the, the plot itself is relatively straightforward, bare bones kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so, uh, we start this movie uh, looking at an airplane uh, as one John McClane is visiting uh, his kind of estranged wife uh, who has taken a job in Los Angeles um, because he wants, or he has been, I can't remember if uh, his wife actually, or uh, so his wife's name's Holly. Um, is actually invited him out, or if he, what exactly the thing was? But essentially, he is landing in L.A. Uh, he is a New York cop, uh, which uh, the person sitting next to him finds out by the fact that remembering that this is pre nine eleven, and the fact that he's just straight up carrying a gun on the <coughs> plane. Yep. But granted, he is also a yep. cop. But anyway, don't, don't forget he, he gives him important advice about his nerves. Yes. Yes. Uh, the because he hates flying, uh, and the passenger said next to him gives him this uh, tip for how to deal with uh, jet lag, uh, which is and just the stress of being on an airplane, which is to find a room of carpet, take off your shoes, and just kind of grasp the carpet with your toes. Ball them make, up into little fists, he make said. Fists and with your toes. It's, it's great because this feels like a throwaway line. It, it yes. It, it does. Nothing in this movie is a throwaway line, which is the weird part. <laughs> yeah. Um. And I'm gonna. I'm just kind of. I guess I kind of need to put it out there. This is the first time that I've ever seen this movie. 
I've never watched this movie before until la- literally last week when I watched it for this podcast. And I'd always wondered, because I knew the, the, the main things about it, the yippee Kaye line, all the little things here and there. But the one thing I always never understood, having not seen it, is something we're going to talk about in a bit, and I'll bring it up when we get to that point. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, so I'm just going to say it now. There is no throwaway in this movie, and that's probably the weirdest part about it. Yeah, this yeah. movie's really, really smart for an action it's movie. Really well thought out, yeah. Yes. Um, so, uh, basically, um, John goes to visit his wife, um, who is currently a high-level, I don't know, I guess a high-level executive. Uh, executive. For the Nak- uh, yeah, she is an executive for the Nakatomi, I guess, company. Was it just Nakatomi Com- or Corporation? Yeah, I think it's just yeah Nakatomi Corp. Oh, who recently had a building, uh, or is I believe in the process of having their own building con- being constructed, and the it's almost done, but there are a few unfinished floors. Yeah, yeah. and there is a Christmas party being held on a on a high floor, the thirtieth floor, thirtieth like floor. Yep, yeah. this is relevant. It's the thirtieth yes. floor. Um. So. He goes up to visit her, and it is a '80s ass con- uh, executive party because you can tell because people are boning in various random rooms, and everyone's doing coke. Yes. Well, well the one, one person doing is doing coke. a lot Wait, of coke. Y'all don't do coke at your office parties. No. No, because no. I'm not part of office parties. <laughs> um, but on yes. my free time, though, I refuse to say anything that will implicate <laughs> the police. <laughs> Yes, I mean, it, good stuff. I mean, I'm not a cop, and I have to legally say that if I'm a cop. <laughs> <laughs> I am not a cop, uh, which cannot be said for John McClane, who is currently visiting his wife. <laughs> the perfect segue. Uh, on the 30th floor, where they get into an argument, because one of the things that uh, is kind of annoying John or making him very angry is the fact that uh, when he or when Holly took the job in Los Angeles. Uh, she is now going by her maiden name of Holly Gennaro, uh, which is a argument that uh, John and Holly get into uh, almost immediately when she uh, he walks into his o- or her office. Um, and then basically, yeah, they have a fight uh, and it goes kind of sour. Uh, but um, after or while they're arguing, someone tries to call in. Uh, calls in Holly to say, hey, uh, can you give a kind of a message to the people there to kind of rally him up because it's a Christmas party after all? Um, to which, after this, John kind of goes into the private bathroom of the office and does the trick of taking off his shoes and making little fists with his feet. Um, however, while this is also going down, also, uh, also, I forgot, we completely missed a thing. Uh, in order to get john to the building uh there is a limo sent for him uh <laughs> who is driven by one argyle uh who is, is apparently the first time he's ever driven a, a limousine and this this guy is really great he's he's just i wish there was more of him in the movie to be honest yeah so he is uh he's he is great also the limo uh list as having all this sort of stuff in it yeah i actually have this written down uh so the limo has, and this is everything that the kid lists off in the movie, uh, a CD player, CB radio, TV, telephone, a full bar, and a VHS player. 
All of these except for the VHS player are relevant. Yes. Um, and then Willis proceeds to sit in the front of the damn limo. Also, don't yeah. forget the giant teddy bear. Yes, oh yeah, he's teddy. he's holding a giant teddy bear because he is also there to visit his kids. Yep. Um, no, so, it is it is Christmas Eve. It is. So you'd say this is a Christmas movie? No, it's a Christmas Eve movie, dipshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the very the very uh, under under uh, underserved uh, Christmas Eve movie market. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very specific genre of film. It's it's actually the type of movie that the uh, the American Greeting Company TV channel makes instead of the Hallmark. <laughs> <laughs> at least that's what it should be. If that's smart. too good for me to be mad at. Um, but that's yes, awesome. uh, while all this is going on, uh, also Argyle is hanging out in the limo because he thinks it's only going to take a little while. Unfortunately, while this is all going on. A group of bad guys comes in and storms the building. And, uh, like, all kind of sort of sneakily comes in and, like, takes out the front guard. Um, and basically they they kind of rush into the group workers and kind of take everyone hostage. They rip people out of offices. But oddly enough, not the one that John's in. Or they're just about to take it. Um, uh, also... John was introduced to his wife's boss. Oh yes, and I still remember a throwaway line about like you don't serve, you don't celebrate Christmas over where you are. Oh, and first off, this dude's been raised in America all his fucking life, and second off, actually, Japan does celebrate yes. Christmas to an extent. Yeah, because yeah. uh, also a, a, an international religion. It's not just well, it's our yeah. fault entirely, actually. I mean, yes. I don't know what you're talking about, shifting there, eyes. Th- there is also another good line that he delivers. Uh, also, the boss is uh, Mr. Takagi. Yes. Uh, when he is introducing to uh, introduces or Mr. Takagi introduces John to one of Holly's coworkers, uh, Ellis, who uh, we are introduced to uh, him as he is snorting a massive line of coke. Just immediately see him doing a fat line which, off mi- his desk, which Mr. Takagi says. Oh, I'd like you to meet uh, Holly's Holly's uh, Holly's husband, uh, Holly's policeman. Which she just kind of shrugs <laughs> off, which I thought that was a good line. It's pretty good. Um, but also, yes. Ellis sucks. Let's get that out there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Quickly. Ellis sucks, but he intentionally sucks. Like yes, he's yeah. meant to suck. He's meant to suck, but he still sucks. That's the important part. Yeah, he really. Oh sucks. boy, does he suck. He is, because we're introduced to him not just with him doing that line, but he's also desperately, desperately trying to get him a piece of Mrs. McLean. Yes. Um, so, uh, you see a scene as the people, as the, I guess at this point, what you can think would be terrorists, are storming like the offices. And there's a lot of little details um, that you will, can miss on the first viewing. Um, like you see, you see a scene of, uh, like you just barely miss it of like one of the terrorists is like taking this woman and man who are just clearly having sex. Like she just straight up has a shirt off. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're straight up plowing. Yeah. You get, yep. you get, uh, you get some boobage and in, yep. in that. Yeah. No, there's, she, she got her titty out. Yep. Um, and yes, uh, it is. So we see a bunch of also, uh, the terrorists you can hear are speaking German. Which yep. will also come in handy. 
um, or come in into the plot. It, um, it comes into play, yeah. Yes, um, because uh, the leader we also are also meet or um, introduced to um, before actually before we do that. Uh, John happens to see a chance that he manages to get away, and he runs to a stairwell, uh, so he is not caught. Um, but uh, and he goes up. He goes. He, he goes up the floor and tries to basically get the help for help. Um, but um, keeping in mind that he's still shoeless because he was practicing that technique that that person. So not only does he not have shoes, he has no socks. Yeah, he's barefoot. <laughs> And this is this is the, what I was alluding to before. Was I didn't understand? You know, in the game, there's you walk across glass on your feet, and it do, it does it damages your health. No, we'll worry about that later. Yeah. Well, no, no, but I'm just saying, like, I didn't understand why he was doing this movie. Yeah, shoeless. Yeah, yeah. It, it's and that scene. There's a reason. Yeah. So, uh, as John runs upstairs, we are introduced to the leader of the terrorist, uh, one Hans Gruber who is Alan Rickman's character. Uh, basically, he He's is the a... leader of the bunch. You know him well. Leader of the pack. Yes. And he is a very... Uh, I wouldn't say maybe intelligent, but he is played off to be very... Like, he is not dumb. He's very smart and very posh. Yes. Incredibly posh. Um, Because, uh, yeah, he is basically is like, okay... Um, we are looking for basically the leader of Mr. T- like we are looking for Mr. Takagi because uh, we specifically want him. Uh, and in order to say this, he like is listing off um, like a like a listing of all of his credentials, like he, where he was born, like where he attended college, the companies he worked at, the number of kids he has, and just giving his life five, story. Five kids. Yes, five kids. Um, He's also pretty much raised in the U.S. all his life. Yep. Um, but then Mr. Takagi uh, basically at some point is like, okay, here I am. Just go ahead and take me. Uh, they take him off uh, to a separate area, uh, which also there is another great line uh, where basically uh, Hans is running or walks past one of the terrorists and it kind of gives him a weird look. It's like, how'd you know that? And he's like, yeah, I've read it in Times Magazine. <laughs> it's true. It's a pretty good line. Um, which has time more than once, but anyway. Um, so yeah, they take Mr. Kagi, uh, and that is where we actually see what the main plot of, or like, what are these guys after? Uh, and it turns out in the vault, or there is a vault inside the Nakatomi building uh, that has a lot of money. $635 million with bear bonds. Yes. And uh, these are not terrorists. These are thieves. They want that money. Um, Boy, how do they want that money? Bearer bonds are actually a really good thing to steal because literally whoever has the bearer bonds is the one who can cash them out. Yeah. Also, we see more of his posh side as uh, basically one of the first thing when uh, Hans is talking to Mr. Takagi uh, basically is like listing all of the things that he has, has on and like the designer tailored all sorts of things. Um, which yeah, uh, it's a, it's a really good, uh, thing from seeing like 
compared Even to other action movies. Suits from the same tailor. Yeah. Um. Also, uh, just a point because I happen to have the Wikipedia article because I uh, want to make sure that I have some things right. Um, apparently, uh, uh, there is talks at some point to have Arnold Schwarzenegger play John McClane. <laughs> uh, and he declined it uh, because he wanted to try comedy uh, instead uh, did the movie Twins. <laughs> Good. Oh my god. Everything is right with the world. And what's interesting is I I think this wouldn't have been as good of a movie if Schwarzenegger had played the role of McClane. Because Schwarzenegger Schwarz- doesn't have the, the actual like acting he doesn't range. Have the, yeah, and, and like this character calls for not like an action star, but sort of a down on his look schlubby kind of dude. And even though Willis doesn't look like a schlubby dude, he plays him fairly well. Like yeah, this, he this was is a solid actor. And the thing that we noted when we were watching through is like the the faces he makes are actually really fucking good. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't say it's because Schwarzenegger's too hammy. It's that Schwarzenegger is very he has like one or two styles, and he doesn't have a lot of range to those styles. Whereas Willis, he could kind of switch it up. Like, if he needs to be serious, he could be serious. If he needs to be a little bit of campy, he could be a little bit campy. And he could dial it up and down as he needs to. And he does that really well in this movie. Yeah. Like, he could, he, he has those moments where, okay, you know, you know, I'm gonna be that part. And then it's like, oh, but now I'm Sort of like that that scared, doting husband kind of thing. Like he he moves from different roles really well, which Schwarzenegger couldn't have done. No. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Uh. Then uh. We see that basically Mr. Tuk- uh, they are asking Mr. Takagi because they want basically they want access to the vault. Uh. Which, which is the way it works. Mr. Takagi can't do anything about it. Like he is not. He's like I can't give you anything because even if I give it to you. They're just going to change it because they the instructions to it are in Tokyo, um, and basically there's a good line. He's like, because Hans has a gun to his head, basically saying, "Hey, you need to give us this." Uh, and then Mr. Kagi says, uh, basically, because he starts counting down to get the information, he's like, "Well, you're just going to have to kill me." And then Hans just goes, "Okay, okay," and then shoots him in the head. <laughs> Um, it is also at this point where, because also, uh, John has also gotten to the point where he happened to be in the area where um, this was taking place. So he uh, saw that happen. Uh, but also, this is where he kind of makes a noise when he sees that. And they happen, to, uh, the bad guys happen to notice that, oh, there's someone there. And they send, uh, they send, I believe it was it. It wasn't Carl who, who they sent someone act for him. Some schlub. Uh, and uh, they basically get into a fight. Yeah, it's very long haired, very German man. I mean, that describes a bunch of them. Yes. Very German. Yeah. Tall, built strong. Yeah, I don't know if we ever got. Uh, no, I think it wasn't. I think it was Carl was the first one to go. So I can't remember if Carl is like the. No, Carl the is the or... big. The Carl's the big. Yeah, it wasn't dude. Carl. Whoever it uh, was, it, uh, Tony looked like he. Yeah. Was it Tony? Apparently, it it's Tony. Tony. No. Uh, no. 
Because it's the brother of Carl. Tony, yeah, it's Tony. It's, I just looked it up. Um, but yes, they send him after it, and basically... Um, by the way, all these terrorists have basically MP5s with them, so they have some machine guns with them. Um, uh, some of them have assault rifles, and one of them even has an LMG. Yeah, one of they do have an LMG with them. Yeah, one of them has... This is... We'll get to him in a second, but yeah, there is a very prominent weapon featured in this. Um, prominent yeah. for you. Well, prominent <laughs> for people who play Counter-Strike. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the AUG shows up in this movie. It yes, was like one of the first movies to just have this movie, or to have that gun in it. Good old stare AUG. Um, but yes, uh... Yeah, basically, uh, Tony and... Also, I, I distinctly remember the first dude that John McClane marks. Just looks like he, he belonged at, like, a fucking... Just, like, an ad for a computer. Like, he had, like, a, a fucking short blonde, like, bowl cut. He had, like, big glasses. Yep, that's Tony. Good old Tony. Yeah, it is. I was like, man, this dude should be programming computer, shouldn't he? Oh yeah, he had a look. Yeah, uh, but uh, basically, uh, John gets the upper hand, and basically they just kind of grapple. This is one thing I will say about the movie, or like the fights in this movie that I really like. Is there fights? They're not like play. Like they're not trying to be theatrical about it. It's just people like grapple. Like they're just grappling each other, just punching like. Just like beating the ever-loving shit out of each very, other. They're very, like I don't, I don't want to say intimate, but they're very personal kind of battles. It is someone. It is a brawl. It is not like a, like think of like a, a Schwarzenegger fight. No, it is them grappling each other and just yelling at it, each it's other. It's two guy, two guys who just want to fucking survive. And it's not like I wouldn't go so far as to say it's realistic, but it does have that that tinge of realism to it, where like a fight like that's not going to be a bunch of dudes, you know. They they lock arms and all of a sudden like it's you know very uh, dramatic. No, a regular fight is you're grabbing at them, you're slapping at them, you're punching them, you're doing whatever you can in that moment. You're not thinking, you're just fighting. It's, it's they, another they, thing they, I appreciate about this movie though is that Bruce Willis eats a lot of shit. Yeah. Oh yeah, um, yeah, he's not he the eats. indestructible hero. No, yeah. he eats so much shit. Yeah, they both like Tony and John just go tumbling down a whole lot of stairs, which is when. Uh, basically, it was through that that actually uh, John manages to kill Tony. Because um, I think he grabs onto Tony, and they both go down the stairs, but he manages to land in such a way where he gets Tony killed. He, he landed on top, basically. Yeah, yeah I believe he snaps his neck or something like that. Yep. Um, and that's when... He also kills... He also kills... Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's not for a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's where, basically, John, basically, once he kills him, or uh, basically takes a look and sees, like, huh, this is a fake ID. And then also happens to see, like, oh, these guys are carrying detonators of some sort. And, like, they're carrying a whole bunch no, of stuff. He, he notes also, specifically that there's C4 in there. Yeah, there's no, that, C4. He, he, he doesn't notice C4 until later. Yeah, this is, this is a, that's a later yeah, section. No, yeah, no, this guy just has a submachine gun and ammo. He yeah. has a, yeah, he's a, he has a gun and a radio. Cigarettes, a lighter, and a radio. Yeah. Um, and then also he sends submachine boy down with submachine gun boy with a message. Well, yep. And that is uh, once he kind of realizes that because he's like, oh, I'll just take this gun. Um, 
and then at this point um he is also trying to find a way to get a hold of the police um but yes uh before he does that uh he notices he basically is like oh i'm gonna send a message um and basically straps tony up tony's corpse to a chair sends it down the elevator to the 30 floor uh, but also somehow writes a message on his gray jacket. Now I have a, a machine gun. I'm pretty sure. What was that? Ho, ho, ho. Pretty sure it was a sweater. Oh, sweater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was a sweater. It was a sweater that he's written on it. Now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. And he put a Christmas hat on it. Yeah, it's not it's a also. Christmas movie. Shut up. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he wrapped him up in tinsel, too. It's a, it's a festive holiday hat. Get it right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, and also uh, around this uh, there's also a thing where uh, basically tries to send a fire alarm to it uh, basically but um, he sets off the fire alarm he sets off the fire alarm but they manage to um, take it off uh, that is also actually that is actually what um Sends Tony after him because they just hear something and then after uh, they tell Takagi, but then it was the fire alarm that they sent Tony after. Well, because yeah. Willis was, or McLean was there and he sees uh, Takagi killed and they, they hear him moving around. So they go to investigate, but they don't see anything. It's not until he pulls the fire alarm that they actually send somebody to where he is because they know where the fire alarm was pulled. And then and then he he uses the radio to try to uh, he, he uses the radio to actually try to contact the I think the I don't remember if it was police or the fire or I think it was the nine one one line. Yeah, it seemed like um, because uh, uh, he's trying to contact police directly, which is why they were right. yelling at him to go through nine one one. Yeah, because they he goes to the roof to try and send or to try and get in contact with nine one one, which basically it is. Great how nonchalantly they are the people on nine one one is talking, but John is having. Well, no, it was specifically it was police dispatch, if memory serves, that he was calling because right. he couldn't contact nine one one, and so they were yelling at him to call nine one one if he has a problem. Right, yeah. and that seems made all the better because at the end of their call, right before they're about to hang up on, uh, this is this is the next thing that happens because uh, I forget exactly how they figured out that he was up there, but then two more guys show no, up no, because they can hear him talking to radio. So, so then, right? So then the two guys go up to where he is, and there's gunshots while he's on the line with the police, and the line goes dead, and they go, uh, "I guess send somebody over just to well, check it out." Well, the fact is, they can hear the gunshots. Because you like they, you can hear right, this yeah. like the dispatch just rips off their thing because it's so loud, right? But then they they're, they hear these gunshots, but they don't even take it seriously. Like just send somebody over just to look at it. Who knows? Might be just a crank call. You heard fucking gunshots. Yeah, it is I mean, it's probably so loud you probably couldn't discern if it was gunshot. Yeah, it's also great because how this movie just everyone of actual authority just does not give the slightest shit about anything that is going on. No, they all are so bad at their jobs. It's um, amazing. With, with some certain exceptions. Um, because uh, in order to investigate, or to, who they send off is one, 
Sergeant Al Powell, who uh, is Reginald Vell Johnson's character. And he is... And just happened to be in the area getting fucking garbage snack food. Uh, and it's great because he's the store. only good cop in the entire fucking movie. He is, getting, believe- he is getting Twinkies for his pregnant wife. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah. they are... Yeah, he is, also, he is basically dispatched like, okay, go check this out. Um, but then, uh, basically he goes, kind of pokes around, talks to the people in the, in like in the lobby, which the terrorists have, or the the thieves have, uh, planted someone in the lobby. So Al's like, I'm, I'm just not, like, there's nothing going on. I'm just going to leave. Uh, and then John sees that, uh, and, um, basically that he's kind of casually walking away, uh, decided to make a more, um, basically give him something to see that something's going wrong. So John breaks a window and tosses one of the corpses of the guy that he Marco. is. Yep. He is dispatched. Oh yeah. It's because there's two guys that, uh, the guy, two guys that, uh, John or that go after John after he makes the original call. Um, there's also a really good scene, uh, here where, cause John just kills one of them really easily uh but then basically john goes under a table and basically marco is just standing on top of the table shooting into the table trying to kill him and he just kind of it's this kind of a long conference table that kind of winds and he gets to the very end and runs out of bullets and marco says to him basically something like oh you should have killed me when you had the chance or something like that it's like you're out of table now yeah he's out of table you should have killed me and had the uh, the chance and then John's like, and then John, uh, with his pistol, just unloads it. through the table back at him. And he's like, "Yeah, thanks for the advice." And like, it's interesting that a lot of the one-liners aren't puns or cheese. It's just like a dude saying stuff to them. It's it's really good. Yeah, like like, like thanks so hard. One of the most famous lines in the movie, which is actually just like a little one-off thing, he just whispered. Yeah. Yeah, and of course we'll we'll get to that. But um, yep. so this is where it it was Marco and Heinrich that go up after him. Uh, I believe he kills. Uh, I think he kills Heinrich first, and then he kills yep. Marco. Yep. And then after he after he uh throws Marco out to get their attention, that's when he notices they've got a bag full of C four detonators, and that's when he gets his hands on. Now this is when uh, the terrorists or whatever. Just start unloading on the police car. Yeah, because because John McClane tosses Marco's corpse onto the police car. Yeah. And then one of them, yeah, one of them has an M60, which is just unloads into the cop car as Reginald Von Johnson runs for his goddamn life. <laughs> or drives and then, away. And then, and then he's like, get the LAPD and SWAT and all that. Yep. So I'm not so, getting paid enough for this shit. Yep. Well, that, yep. So, yeah. Yeah, after that happens, then the pro- the police proper shows up, um, and they bring like a SWAT unit. Uh, and this is where we have uh, we are introduced to a character actor, um, which is basically let me check what his name is. Um, but it is uh, yes, the, we are now introduced to Deputy Police Chief Dwayne Robinson. Who is played by <laughs> Paul Gleason, who you might recognize as the principal from the Breakfast Club. 
<laughs> Basically, he is a he is a, a character actor known for playing just dipshits and assholes. And they're always authority figures. Yes, yes, assholes of authority, uh, which. This guy most definitely is because he is basically uh, undermining everything that Al has seen because at this point also uh, John and Al start to talk. Um, so they are, that is a common thing that happens now. Bonding. Yeah. Um, so now that SWAT's on the thing, they are trying to do... Um, they're trying to does. do what SWAT does, which is breach the building. Um, and basically, John is like, "No, do not do this. They have, they are well too, way too armed to do this. Like, don't do it." And basically, obviously, the actual place is like, "Yeah, I, I, I'm not listening to this guy. He might be some. He might be one of the bad guys himself." Um, but it goes about as well as you can imagine, because uh, not only do they have machine guns in the very that, they also have rockets with them. Which they use to just completely blow up a SWAT car. But also, uh, before they actually attack, uh, there is a really good scene where um, you can see the uh, kind of the bad guys kind of get like all their stuff together. Uh, but you also see a little tiny scene of one of the, the bad guys uh, who is played by another character actor, Al Young, who is basically you probably it's not might not be a name you recognize, but you, once you see that guy, uh, he's basically the bad guy in a lot of different 80s action movies. He was in Big Trouble in Little China. Uh, he was also in this. He's basically, he just plays bad guys. Uh, but you see a scene of him, because uh, he takes uh, kind of hold behind a snack bar. Yes. So you just, just see him uh, just I raid. I felt that scene. He, he, he just wants that crunch bar. I felt that scene deep within me. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. If I had the option to just take overpriced, you know, candy, I'm going to take that overpriced candy. I don't give a shit about the circumstances. It's just... going to eat raisinets. I don't even like raisinets, but I'm going to eat them anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they, they just... completely back there. Yep. Yeah, they just completely... Uh, they completely get destroyed. Um... But well, it's another good scene because it's it's again it's it's low key and it's just a dude grabbing candy. But the way that it's presented, it's like this is a tense situation. These guys are about to get attacked by fucking SWAT dudes and all of that, and this dude's just casually like, "Yeah, I'm gonna get some candy while I'm here." Like that's this an interesting theme throughout the whole movie is no matter how tense the situation is, there's some kind of levity to it. it also, doesn't help like like the, the villains are very clearly like self assured. Yeah, then they they know they're gonna win. They absolutely know it, so they're just gonna kind of like take these little asides. Yeah. Um. So, um, it is also it is here where Ellis uh pulls his big dick hole, dick bag move, um, and tries to is like, hey, I know that it's John that's causing all these problems. I'm gonna strike a deal with the terrorists. Uh, so basically, he just straight up um, goes to uh, to Hans and is like, "Hey, I I'm a salesman. I I can I can handle this uh, with the most bravado that you can imagine." Uh, also, he is a massive idiot, like 100 percent pure cocaine salesman, and it's beautiful. Yeah, um, he's that 80s guy from the future. 
Pretty much. They even they even bring him a Coke. Yep. So, um, yeah, so Hans managed to get a hold of McLean through the radio, and now he knows his name. And basically Ellis is basically Ellis's ploy is that him and John McLean are like lifelong friends. Which they just met. And basically John McLean's like, Ellis, what are you doing? You are going to get yourself killed. Don't stop talking to him. And then basically they're like or Hans is like, give me the detonators or he dies. And then uh Yeah, John's like, No, what are you doing? I'm I'm not gonna do that. And then basically, um, what you'd imagine happens, and then uh, they they shoot Ellis in the head. And the police hear this and are like, "How how do you let? How could he just let that guy die?" And then basically, I was like, "Dude, that's that was he was dead either way." But the like Ellis, uh, the voice of reason. Also, an important thing is at this point, newscasters are coming out too. Yeah, um, with a. Beautiful scene of absolutely pissing off the 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 news anchor. Yeah, so they they got a van. They came out. Hmm? Yeah, because at this point, uh, we are met with another um the another kind of set of people. Um, also, yeah, because there's also the newscasters. We're also met with another character actor known for playing assholes. And um, that is the because we are met with the character of. Richard Thornburg, who is a newscaster for, I guess, the L.A. area, uh, where, yeah, we see him in a pissing match with another newscaster. Um, I think we skipped over a couple of things that happened. Yeah, we um, did. Yeah, we skipped over. Um, we skipped over them sending a helicopter up to the rooftop and then uh, McLean discovering that they were going to put uh, explosives up that, there. That's, oh, that's, much that's, that's much later. That's much later. No, we do see. Uh, no, John this McCle- is this is this is this is actually no. This happens right before we we get to that part because I also double checked uh, cross reference against the uh, the actual the script and the, the you know some stuff that they uh he uh no McLean doesn't discover them here. This is where the the he they're drops- talking to each other about it. Yeah, uh, but yeah, because uh, one thing he does in order to. Stop the people from having the machine gun and try and have the rocket launchers. Uh, John McClane straps a whole bunch of that C4 into a chair and drops it down an elevator shaft to just blow it the hell up. Right. Um, uh, no, that was for the rocket launcher guy shooting the APC outside that they yeah, tried that, to use. It, that's that's the other thing. that That's what we missed. Yeah. yeah so basically, uh, all of the, the SWAT guys got shot down because unsurprisingly, this had all been planned for, uh, and so because of that, they then try to use an APC to breach, uh, but it doesn't work because as it gets caught on the stairs, our our lovely boys uh, start shooting it up with a rocket launcher that they have then bolted in. Not yeah. shoot, not once but twice, as John is yelling at them to have it withdraw and take out their people because they're burning alive. Yep. Uh, but yeah, so rolling forward again, uh, the important thing about the, uh, the newscasters, the newscasters there on scene, uh, and now that everyone's heard McLean's name, everyone's, uh, checking it, cross-referencing it, seeing where he's from, trying to dig up as much information on them as he can. Yeah. Uh, and this is a problem. 
Yes. Wait, did, uh, did we also cover the scenes, scene where uh, Gruber, uh, Gruber and McClane actually do meet for the first time? That's, this a actually little happened. Later. that's later. That's no, no, this later. happens. This one does actually happen. Uh, this happens uh, a little bit after he drops the office chair, but uh, before Thornburg arrives. Right. Scene. Well, they they talk. They have a they have a because after that whole thing happens with now that he knows with Ellis, basically uh, they have a conversation where Hans is like, "Oh, you think you're your cowboy?" Well, no, no, this part uh they actually uh meet in person uh on the rooftop uh while I think Gruber was checking the explosives. Gruber masquerades as one of the hostages and they have No, that of- was later. That is, that is definitely later. That is absolutely later. Yeah. Cuz there is a scene where they talk. Um but, this is uh, this happens before the building gets sh- the power gets shut off though. This we aren't talking about the power. That, that's no, at the I'm very saying, end. Like, no, no, I'm saying like this this doesn't happen. This happens fairly close to. Yeah, after we haven't the, mentioned uh, the, the office the power. Scene. No, I'm saying I'm saying where the, the office that, wasn't the power shutting down. No, no that, stop, stop. He drops the the stuff down the shaft and it explodes and all. And then Ellis gets executed and then Gruber and McLean do meet for the first time. They cross paths. Gruber pretends to be a civilian. They have a really good back and forth. McLean gives him a gun, thinking he's a civilian. Gruber tries to shoot him, not knowing that the gun isn't loaded. And then they part ways again. And that's when the FBI uh, comes on scene. Yeah, that, that's. but the scene where he originally talks to him and he gives the line is a little bit before. I right. believe that is right after Ellis. Yeah, they're having we were, a conversation about cowboys in cowboy movies. Where so he they, eventually caps it off yeah. with the and line. Th- and then after after that is when Thornburg arrives, and that's when yeah. like shit really starts to go downhill. Yeah, yeah because uh, Thornburg, uh, which by the way, his character he is played by one William Atherton, who is another character who is just played just plays the biggest shit heels. Um, basically, he is Walter Peck in Ghostbusters. You know, the guy with no dick. Um, He also showed up in Murder, She Wrote like three different times, played a murderer in every single appearance. A different (laughs) murderer in every single appearance. Um, But yes, uh, he is, uh, basically, he cross-references like John McClane and like where he, like who he is. Uh, Manages to find his wife's home. Uh, And basically uh, gets a hold of his kids. Uh, because they, ha- uh, Holly has a, um, a, a maid whose name I forgot what it was, but she is, she is essentially Hispanic, and basically, uh, Thornborg threatens to call the INS on her if she doesn't give let him do what he wants, which is another sign of he being a massive asshole. Um, but yes, um. Yeah, after the start, things happen. Uh, yeah, we have the scene where basically Hans goes to check on the explosives and runs into McLean. Uh, he actually tries to pass himself off as one of the people that he sees. Like this, the camera shows a screen, or like not a screen, but uh, basically a listing of names, and basically tries to pull himself as William Clay. Um, and then basically the moment he says that name, uh, basically John hands him a gun. But, and basically, because he, uh, and then basically John goes to move away for a second and uh, Hans go, does 
the thing that villains shouldn't do, which is has a monologue, where it's like thinking he's so tough, and basically, basically, he wants the detonators. He's like putting, holding up at gunpoint to basically take the detonators, but then, uh, basically, the gun that he gave, uh, that John gave Hans was empty, and basically, they have, I believe, they have a little fight or something. Um, but and I know, and it is at this point where um, I believe uh, Carl, because right before this, um, uh, Hans uh, summons Carl, and I believe someone else. Or yeah, it's Carl, Franco, and Fritz. Are apparently, the three bad guys who show up. Um, basically, at this point, they all try and shoot at McLean, and this is the point where we see, or we had the thing where. That calls back to the fact that John's barefoot. Because the area that they're in has a whole bunch of glass in it. And basically John or Han sees that uh John is barefoot and asks or tells all the shooters to shoot the glass. Which leaves John in a uh, basically in order to get out of that area, he's gonna have to run over broken glass. Which he does. Because he kinda also- has to. Real quick, something I appreciate is is I, I like the scene where fake name. You see him look up at the board, realize the name's fake. If you paid attention really quickly, you would have seen him remove the the fucking magazine from the gun as he goes to hand it off to Gruber. See, I was completely distracted by their their little byplay going on because they have a really great back and forth between the two of them. They do, um, and it's once again completely intentional, and that's why I like it. Yeah. Because uh, if you pay close attention, like after it shoots to the board, quick to show him realizing that hey, this this isn't clay, this is wrong. He just just before he goes to hand hands the uh, the gun, you can see him very quickly take the magazine out and unload it. Yeah, uh, yeah, that is another good point. Is that Alan or that uh, Hans has a really good American accent, but that also comes from the fact that uh, his actor is British and also a. Really good the- theatrical actor. Mm-hmm. So German is not his native accent anyway. So yeah. Um. So yeah. Um. At this point, John is very hurt, and you see a lovely scene of him crawling on a bathroom floor with just a trail of blood behind him as he goes up to the sink and removes glass from his foot. His feet. <clears throat> Look, speaking <clears throat> from experience. The worst part about having glass in your foot is not it being in your foot, but removing it from your foot. Yep. Uh, yep, 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 yep. It, it is also at this point where we hear a little bit of Al's backstory, uh, the cop, um, because uh, John asks him, or because they have a conversation about being a cop, and John asks him, like, okay, why why are you just, why are you just like a routine, like the, basically behind the, the desk. Cop. Yeah, beat cop. Uh, and Al mentions the fact that, uh, it's because he did not feel like using a gun after he uh, has killed a shot a year kid. Old. Yeah, he shot a kid because he thought he had a toy gun. Which because well, he had a toy gun. Oh, I mean, yeah, he had a toy gun, which is. Timely. I mean, if evergreen, yeah, is absolutely timeless. I mean, th- your first one wasn't incorrect in a way, but yeah, yeah. This this the Al Al in 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 uh those aspects aged very poorly. 
I mean, in general, this movie's really fun in a post-9-11 America. Mm. Yeah. Like, a lot of the stuff is very timely. I just feel like, I feel like Al's backstory and also a certain part later, neither of these things age well at all. In particular. I feel like, in general, this movie has aged very strangely. Yeah. Um... Because, yeah, uh, it's at this point also um, we see footage of, or no, uh, this is when, yeah, uh, basically. And also John uh, man, uh, has to abandon the detonators. Um, so now that they have the detonators, uh, basically they put a whole bunch of seafloor on the roof of the building. It is, yeah, at this point, the FBI has also come on the scene. They cut the building's power off. Um and basically, the thing is, is that they want this because doing so disabled the vault, the uh, lock of the vault. Um, but the, by the, the way, electromagnetic uh, yeah. shielding is essentially yeah, which they're keeping way, their drill from getting through the seventh layer of the vault. Yeah, because all all the time, all, everything is going on. They have had a safe cracker with them, who is also a very good character. Uh, his name is Theo. Uh, also, their general computer whiz. Yep. Um. And yeah, he's he's a very fun character. Yes. Uh, so, with that, um, they uh, basically have the bear bonds at this point, um, but they are left with um, the hostages. Also, one thing they do see at this point uh, is what Richard Thornburg has been doing. Uh, he has basically uh, gone to the house and has filmed the... Uh, basically the kids trying to basically as like, Oh, do you have anything to say to your parents who are locked or were in this horrible incident? Um, and basically it is at this point where they say that basically they give away Holly's like who she is. And basically, uh, not really. It's more like it's, it's more importantly, uh, it's a photo. Hans had been in this, in, uh, Holly's office this entire time, mind you giving these orders. And then he looks around and notices the pictures of kids, and he lifts up the uh, port, the picture that Holly had knocked over, and it, it shows John. It shows John McClane and then the rest of the family together in a picture, and he pieces it all together. Yep. So, yeah, um, and basically at this point, uh, they. They don't want to deal like they don't want to take the hostages with them, so they take say all the hostages go onto the roof. Um and basically so the deal is they leave and they just blow up the roof and killing all the hostages. So, um is at this point where John actually happens to also go onto the roof or not onto the roof, but happens to see finds the explosives himself. Um and that is where he runs into Carl. And then they have, basically, they have a, a massive fist fight. An absolute fucking slugfest. It is fantastic. Yeah, which are just nonstop beating the ever-loving shit out of each other. Which one thing I do want to point out about Carl that I think is kind of fascinating is actually his actor. Uh, it is one Alexander. Uh, let's see. It is Alexander. I apologize if I pronounced this wrong. Alexander uh, Gudinov. Uh, he is actually a Russian actor uh born in the soviet union and actually defected to the country in um 1979 uh, there was actually a russian movie uh about that defection uh, called flight 222 
Um, but yeah, he was a ballet dancer, not a more of an action star. So he was actually a very graceful person. But uh, yeah, he happened to be probably well known for a lot of people as the bad guy in Die Hard. Didn't he also die not too long after this because of alcoholism? Yeah, he died in 1995 because he, um, yeah, he uh, died from hepatitis. Oh, Which I don't alcoholic. think it's related to alcohol. Uh, but his he was an he, alcoholic. Though. He was an, yeah, yeah. He also his alcoholism did not help that. Um, his death was determined to be uh, due to complications of from hepatitis, secondary to chronic alcoholism. Is what how it is listed here. So anyway, with that, um, basically, they slug it out, and John actually gets a whole lot of hits in. Like it's a surprising amount. Like it's nice to have a thing where it's not just oh the big beefy guy like takes a bunch of hits and just doesn't do anything. No, he actually no, like it's, feels it's an even trade. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, McLean wins out by managing to strangle him with a chain. Not just strangle him with a chain, but strangle him with a chain, tie it up, and push him away so he's hanging from that chain. Yeah. It is, like, decidedly brutal. Yes. Um, it is at this point where, uh, basically, he sees the C4, and he's like, uh, basically, it is through here where he hears that everyone's gone to the roof. Uh, so he rushes the roof, and... Um, basically tra- chases everyone off by like shooting into the air saying, Hey, you need to get off the roof now. Um, there's also FBI helicopters that are circling the area and they just start shooting at John as well. Um, yeah. They're straight up gunships. It's, it's great. Yeah. And then, uh, John, like basically with this going on and basically uh, also Hans- don't forget the important part is one of the FBI guys. It's just goes, it's just like in Saigon. Oh yeah, it's like one of the old, there's like an older FBI guy that's talked to a younger one. He's like, he's like, yeah, it's just like in Saigon. The other guy's like, what? No, the other guy was like, I was in junior high. All oh, right. Which yeah. Um. So um, it is at this point where Hans managed to see on like a rate on like a t uh like a CCTV or something like that that all the hostages are running away. He's like, okay, the health is. I'm just detonating it now. Detonates the building. Um, but before that, John realizes that the building's about to go, go, and he has to get off the roof. But if he goes back onto the roof, he is going to get destroyed. So he manages to take a fire hose and make himself a nice repelling thing. Um, where, yeah, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, he does like a like a rainbow six thing and just straps himself with a fire hose and manages to repel down the building and he manages to repel down to the 30th floor um, by... And then, yeah, because the fire hose... The thing explodes as he's repelling down. Uh, he manages to shoot through the glass and kicks through the window of the 30th floor and almost loses it. Uh, or almost dies when... But he man When the building explodes... Or the roof explodes and basically the thing that was holding him down comes down with him. It almost takes him down with him. But he manages to tie it off. But now he is on the 30th floor where Hans and Holly are. Also another terrorist. Um, so um, with that, um, basically, John goes after Hans. 
and uh um yeah or actually before this uh basically hans tells everyone to run away uh including theo the cracker um is also at this point where argyle comes back onto the scene uh because he has just been listening to all this go on um uh, but both on the police scanner which he realized to turn on uh as well as uh had been watching shit on tv and at this point was trying to figure out a way to escape only realizing just then that everything was shut down yep uh and at this point he sees theo escape and uses the limousine as a battering ram into the van that he's running into and then once uh, he rams the van, just Argo just runs out of the, th- the limousine, just opens the door, and just punches Theo in the face. It's so good. Yes. So stupid. Yeah. Um, but uh, at this point, uh, John realizes that he's running out of ammo. Um, so uh, he manages to concoct this. Basically, he's realizing, I don't have enough things. I need to think of something. He's got man- two bullets, specifically. And yeah. two people to kill. Yep. So then he has the idea. Uh, you just see, like, oh, he real- comes to realization. And then you see a thing of tape. So then at this point, he rushes into the room that uh, Holly, the last bad guy, and uh, Hans are in. And Hans has Holly by at gunpoint. And the other terrorist is just sitting here. By the way, the other bad guy just tries to roast his gun and just kill him immediately. And then Hans does the thing where he's like, no. He's mine. And then basically they have a monologue. Uh, then you see what John's plan is. Uh, he has managed to tape another gun on his back. So Because when he walked into the room, he was forced to throw the gun away. So he uh, throws the empty gun away. Uh, then basically they have a conversation. Hans is about to shoot John. But then he, John pulls the gun off his back and shoots the bad guy and um, Hans in the head. Uh, also specifically the they only knew he had the smg which is what he threw away yeah not his own personal handgun that he brought with him Ah. and he he only shoots the one guy in the head he kind of wounds hans i think he shoots him in the shoulder or something yeah yeah yeah. and and enough to knock him out the window no 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 no. What, what happens is uh he hans grabs on to john and you know he's dangling gonna try to pull him down with him and then John takes off his yeah. watch. And that's yeah, which, by the fall. way, a fun little bit of trivia about that scene. So if you take a look at that uh, um, scene, uh, you can see um, that, yeah, because earlier in the movie, uh, Hans is talking about his Rolex that he had. Uh, so, or no, it was Holly's, because he's, ho- he's holding on to Holly's Rolex. And basically, uh, Holly actually manages to unlit on class the the watch and it falls out of her hand the best thing about that scene is you see hans like you basically the camera is looking at hans's face as he falls to his death the thing about that scene that's fascinating is the fact that if you just look at that it's like oh hans is like alan rickman's doing some really good vo- uh, acting of looking ter- terrified out of his mind that is because when they were filming that scene like you know in order to do that you know before you start the scene you have to like, especially if you're doing anything like a stunt like that, you usually go like three, two, one, go. What they did instead was they're like, oh, we're gonna go one, two, three, two, one, go. They instead went three and let him go. Uh, so Alan Rickman was actually terrified out of his mind. It's great. 
Uh, great, was, great acting. You, you could see him be very pissed off also at the same time. And yeah, Hans dies. Um, is it this spoiler point? alert? Yeah. And the, the, the chief was all, the sergeant guy was all like, oh, I hope that's not a hostage. Yeah. As he hits the ground. Oh, yeah. Uh, so then after that, uh, John and Holly walk out of the building, and basically everyone, Owls, like, first are there, and they basically. Like shake hands for the first time, and then Dwayne Johnson or Robinson is being like an asshole. It's like you know how much cost you good. I'm gonna nail you up for this sort of stuff. Uh, but at this point, basically, Carl burst out because apparently he didn't die. Covered his gun. Blood. Um, and basically tries to kill John. Uh, but that is when Al saves the day by pulling out his gun again for one like his time because he swore to. She was gone and so all he had to do was imagine it was a child and he was yeah. good to go. The cop finally finally gets back his ability to use his gun. The other thing that didn't age. Look, all he had to do was imagine it was that same child. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Uh that is also and then right after that, um Richard Thornburg is on the scene and walks up to Holly and John. And tries to like, oh, hey, well, what do you feel? How do you feel about this? Or, like, tell us about your experiences. To which Holly just decks him in the face. And we all cheer. Uh, yeah, and then that is... And, and they then, get into Argyle's limo. Yeah, they get into Argyle's limo, and then they roll off and let it snow plays, and that's in the movie. And it's, it's a Christmas not a Christmas movie. movie. <laughs> yeah, it's not a Christmas movie. <laughs> God, I could not have planned that even if I wanted to. <laughs> yeah. No, but like, I know there. I know there is a non-jing argument about whether or not it is a Christmas movie, and and honestly, it's definitive. It's it takes place at Christmas. Christmas does have a central role in the whole thing because you know the timing of it, you know, allows the terrorists to take over the building, and you know it's peppered with Christmas music. It's Christmas a Christmas imagery. movie. Christmas imagery. It's a Christmas movie. Let it go. It's okay. <laughs> it doesn't fucking matter. It's yeah. the most important thing. It's, None of it fucking matters. And I want to say it's a better Christmas movie than a Christmas story, and it will die on that hill. I mean, that is true. <laughs> it's it's true, I know. So, yeah, that's that's Die Hard. So, like, I, I, I kind of want to let you just run, run through the whole thing, but, like, the one thing that I noticed was so interesting about this movie is if because I've seen bits and pieces of the other movies as well. And what's so interesting to me about this movie is how low-key it is. It's yes. not in your face. It's not explosions everywhere. It's not ridiculous scenarios and all that. It's just a very straightforward, like, very, very, not subtle, but just like, I don't want to keep saying low-key, but the, the fighting is isn't pronounced it's just fighting there's no drama to it it's just fighting it's and that's what this movie is it's just the movie it, it's, it's not frills and shit it's very smart surprisingly enough yeah it's an it's not even like a competent movie it's an action film yeah uh, Which, i also <laughs> appreciate that like Alan Rickman's a good fucking villain, just straight up. Yeah. There's Alan Rickman was a fantastic actor. Uh, yeah. But, like, all of the characters play it smart. Yeah. It's just John McClane's good at being a thorn in his ass, but, like, doesn't feel like a larger-than-life character, which is nice. 
this movie, I the movie, the writing, and just everything around it really plays to the strengths of the two main characters, McLean and, and Gruber. Like both both uh, Willis and Rickman's acting abilities, I felt like they really worked within those ranges. They didn't like try to push them too hard outside of it, but they found what each one was really good at, and they focused on that. And they made that in, important, like central to each character. I feel like it helps that it both at this point both of them weren't really established in the way that they would both come to be. Oh. Yeah, you didn't like, have Bruce Willis pigeonholed as an action. Also, uh, yeah. Also, speaking of acting, because I also saw another thing on this thing of because we mentioned earlier that Arnold Schwarzenegger turned it down. Uh, there's actually a full. There's a long list of actors who apparently turned down this role, including. Richard Gere, Clint Eastwood, Burt Reynolds, Sylvester Stallone, Harrison Ford, Don Johnson, um, Nick Nolte, Mel Gibson, and my personal favorite, Richard Dean Anderson. Fucking what? Yeah. MacGyver (sighs) was almost... Some of those I could see working, and then some... I, I can't imagine anyone other than Bruce Willis at this point, because he does it so incredibly. He's, like, the right level of, like, schlub. Yeah. Gear would never work at all, period. There's I, there's just nothing action-y about Gear I, in any I, way. I, I kind of want to see a Richard Dean Anderson version of Die Hard, <laughs> though. Burt Reynolds, though. The, I... Mm. I don't know. I, I feel mean, like, look, I feel like the mustache it, alone would destroy all the terrorists. Yeah. <laughs> I just like, I, I see Burt Reynolds and I don't see somebody, but I guess I'm a by his appearances on Archer and Saints Row. And just the, the, the kind of meme that Reynolds became later in life. But I just, and Clint Eastwood is absolute no go for almost the same reason as Arnold Schwarzenegger. Eastwood was too serious. He could have never pulled off the schlubby, it's, you know, uh, hero against his will type of character. He couldn't have done that. That's what I mean. It's like John McClane is not like a larger than life character, which is yeah. why a lot of those people could not pull him off quite right. He was an everyman thrust in a situation he did not want to be in. Yeah. Plus, Richard Gere did all nothing but like a terrible romantic comedy, so I could never see him. Yeah. Doing uh, now. Yeah. Also, rest in peace, uh, Burt Reynolds. Yes. Um, it's 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 just also once again like I, I feel like in this movie the pacing is really good, but also no little detail is wasted. Yeah, like it's, everything comes back in some capacity. It's it's just filled with Chekhov's guns, but they're done in such a really sly and interesting. It feels a lot more natural. Yeah. Yes. And I just appreciate it. I appreciate it as the template for future action films because it does everything in moderation, and it knows when to it knows when to let things out and when to just hold back just enough so that once you get to that that actual piece where everything pays off, and then you go back and you like you say you see all the little details like him slipping out the uh, the magazine. And it just makes you appreciate how good of, of a movie it was. And also it, it kind of shines a light on all the movies that have tried to be like it and how they missed 
all of those little things that made this movie so definitive as an action. Even in the same fucking franchise. Ex- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those, those, those Looking at you, live free, die hard. God, yeah, those sequels did uh, happen, didn't they? Yeah. It's just, and you know what? I draw the comparison to the Saw franchise because the first film, very subdued, it had a very specific message, it was very intelligently written, and then the remaining films completely missed what made the first film so successful and so good. Yeah. I, this series definitely fell into that trap. Oh, yeah. Ah. Um, but no, yeah. I, I think this movie is absolutely incredible for yeah. so many fucking reasons. It's, yeah. And it holds up. Also, once again, I appreciate an action movie where the main character gets absolutely fucking brutalized the whole way through. The untouchable action hero is one of the most boring heroes you could come up with, and they just made an everyman who, who gets his ass kicked but still can think his way through. Yeah. So, I think at this point, uh, we can probably start ranking this. We could. So, um... Yep. Uh, so, if you are not familiar with uh, this show, uh, we have our 1 to 21 scale, where 1, uh, which is also rainbow-colored, so 1, which is at violet scale, uh, which we consider Universal Mastercraft, which is a movie that is just beyond the pale. Like, it is just fantastic. There is just, it is just fantastic. Um, and then we have, go all the way down to 21 at red, uh, which is don't even bother, which is like, it's not, there is no redeeming qualities about it. Um, so, so Axe, my question to you, two um, or one. So yeah, here's the thing. <laughs> so right now we're, we're in the early phases of this thing right now. We have only two other things at this point. Uh, we have dirty pair project Eden, which we consider to be a phenomenal movie, which we have ranked at three. Uh, and Area 88, the OVA series, which we have ranked at 9, which we thought was pretty good with some... Wish the ending acted a little, or was a little bit different, but whatever. So... Two um, or one. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like, okay, two or one. Okay. I'm going to say one. And I'm going to is- say one because it is just the fucking pinnacle, really. I, because yeah. the, only com- the only complaints I even have are very minor things that just they wouldn't have known at that time centered around a single character. Other than that, it's almost a perfect film in terms of what it's trying to do, the, the way that the actors are, uh, where, where the characters are portrayed, the writing, all the little things here and there that sort of wrap together. It's a fantastic film. Yes. Um, yeah, because I mean... I mean, I could definitely see it also at two because it is also real good, but I don't really think if... Because I'm trying to think, like, if you think about one, it's like you're trying to think of things that could do better, but... I mean, can you think of a film that does what Die Hard does, but better? I can't. That's the thing. And that's why I want no, to say... No, it is one of the single finest action I, movies out there. The other thing to think about is, how does it hold up? Like, if you think about just movies in general, if you're not an action... Well, if you're not an action fan, um, even then, it still has it's still a pretty smart no. movie. Other than that, yeah, because if you think about the action scenes themselves, right? They're not spectacles. They're not. It's not. Um, there's no like. It does the action scenes don't take away from the film. You don't 
stop everything and hear bang, 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 bang. Like, uh, every single scene seems to kind of fit and feel like it needs to be there. Like, if you took any of the scenes out in this movie, I feel like it would absolutely affect the film. Oh, yeah. And I'm not, like, I'm it's, not a it's big actor. It's a two-hour-long movie, but I feel like none of that time is wasted. Honestly. Oh, yeah. Even the stuff with Argyle has some value to each... I, I wouldn't take any of the Argyle scenes. Kind of mostly fluff. But they're, they're, they're valuable fluff that sort of gives you an idea of the stuff that's going on outside of and what's what happening. Outsiders might see this whole situation as... Right, exactly. Being in it. yeah, it's, um, it's just a good goddamn movie. It's a good fucking movie. And, and, and I feel like this also adds to it as well, is, again, it spawned an entire genre of action. So many movies have tried to ape Die Hard's formula and have failed, because Die Hard wasn't just an action film, it was an intelligent movie. And I think that's the key thing here. Yeah. I don't think this movie could be anything but a one. Quite honest. Yeah. I, yeah. 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 I. And also, Alan Rickman. Don't yes. forget Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman. Bruce Willis and Alan Rickman, at, at, like Alan Rickman so, at his first, and Bruce Willis at his prime. Doubly, it's an amazing movie, but also it's a movie that I feel like can never be replicated. Oh, absolutely no. not. And every time you know, it's like, been it, tried, it, it fails miserably. It is. It happened in the most perfect of circumstances that can never happen again. It also has Carl Weathers. I mean. No, it doesn't. I know, like, yeah, like, I know it's not Carl Weathers, but it's still Carl Weathers. Can't, can't... As, as Max is saying in like the chat, it's not just Alan Rickman. It was like Alan Rickman and Bruce Willis before they had certain established yeah. uh, like characters and archetypes to them. And, and, and also, like usually when somebody makes their film debut, it's not really that great of a performance because it's their first debut. This is Alan Rickman showing that he had such good choices. Going into this film. Also, technically, this is also Bruce Willis's first action role, too. Yeah. Well, was this Alan Rickman's first movie? Period? It's his first movie. Right. Wasn't his so, first think. Yeah. But right. see, that's the thing is, like, Alan Rickman was classically trained, which was okay. actually very important. All right. Well, that that's fair. That's fair. But yeah, this, this being both of their, them's first action film, and for them to pull it off this way, you know, it's, it's phenomenal. And it speaks a lot for the direction as well as the writing. And, and just, but once again, like, I feel like the importance here is that these people hadn't been pigeonholed at this point. Yeah. Like, they, they, it was both their first time doing action, and I feel like it was better for it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, you, you get a genuine performance out of them. Yeah. Versus the expected performance. It, it's just, it, all of this happened in the most perfect circumstances possible to create this absolute masterpiece. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's also kind of what helps just define sort of Mastercrafts as they happen under conditions that could never possibly be replicated. And that's then true. they go on and they, they, they yeah. either create a new genre or they serve as the template for that genre. Yeah, and the thing that, the reason why I have the Universal Mastercraft, or, or specifically the one rating, and not just, because 1 through 3 is all Mastercraft on its own, but why I have the Universal Mastercraft is not, it's not just one that it was good at the time. It was good, stays good, and stills like it stays good. Yeah, like yeah, I saw I saw this movie for my for, for the first time last year, and I absolutely fell in love with it. And this this like this was my first R-rated movie I ever saw, and it, it was that at least that's why I remember. 
like eight I think mine was History of the World Part 1. That's not bad. But yeah. My parents weren't happy about it. But yeah, yeah no, this is... Uh, I, I can imagine. Um, it, got, but, it got banned immediately. But yeah, yeah, no, this movie holds up. And that's, the, that's such a big thing. For, for an action movie to hold up like this speaks volumes. Yeah. It is just phenomenal. It's yeah. a good fucking movie. Um, Die Hard is the Princess Bride of action movies. I've never watched Princess Bride. It is a perfect film, and you should watch it. I... I'll watch it eventually, I'm sure. And I think there's a Princess Bride video game. I'm gonna check. I don't think there is, but anyway. Um, yes. Uh, so, just going to other things in the list. Uh, I would... I mean, this is definitely an action movie. Uh, the theatrical release uh, director was John T- McTiernan. Uh, released in 1988. Episode 6. Um, tone. Um, because... I'm not sure on this list. Because the, the thing is, some of the tones we have that might fit, we have cool... We have angry. No, cool. Um, no, I don't, have, no, I don't feel like have, cool fits. He's yeah. We we have an eighties tone. I I'd say eighties. I mean, look at all the cocaine. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, I think cocaine on its own just makes it an eighties film. Is that just a cocaine emoji? <laughs> <laughs> just a mouth. Um, just no. Put if you if you get a David Lee Roth emoji. I don't think no. Is there? There there's salt, but it doesn't look like. What I was hoping it would look like. Anyway, yes, there it is. Eighties as all hell. Um, and also based on the discussion we had with the last episode, would we feel that? I mean, would we feel that this movie um is more, or would we feel that the game? The like, game is interesting by one hundred percent. Let's talk about the game. It's not. Let's talk about the game for a second because I do want to point out that I do think the what they tried to do tried to do with the game how i mean there are other diehard games we have not taken a look at but the nes one is the one that we have ranked so far uh how it tried to do a kind of almost like a run-based kind of thing before that was even popular that was kind of the best way you could do that movie or like do a game based Mm -hmm. on the movie uh it has things from the movie um like it has like these you start like you can't go until 4 30 until you've but they've done the lock like it's like the movie. But yeah, I it is neat. But yeah, I would definitely not say that I would prefer playing the game to the watching the movie. No, there's you do not get the same sense of film from the game that you do from watching the movie. Like it is surprisingly like I mean the game just straight out uses scenes from the movie in like sprite form. Uh, but yeah, it is it, it it's it's just no. As someone who actually kind of likes Die Hard for the NES, I I would still not say. Wouldn't you put a thumbs up then? No, I would say no, it is the original, or the game is worse. Uh, So, yeah, wouldn't we have to change that for Project Eden then? No, because, oh, right. Right. Yeah, because are you asking? I, if no, the game I did. Is okay, I did that backwards there. Okay, well, yeah, you did it backwards. I, did, I should just remove this column. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's. I'm not. I mean, I'm not liking. I, I feel this like column. you should repurpose that column. Yeah, I feel like you'd be better served a different way. But yeah, anyway, like, it's, how whatever. how does it compare to the game? Yeah, is which then, is better? Then you need to define. But then you need to define. Yeah, that's the, that's why it's it's. We'll workshop it. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. That, that that's a very different <laughs> time. I I realize I need to put that on the table. Anyway, yeah. um, content. Content. Uh. What's a PH in a G? Language. 
Uh, so photosensitivity and elements of like sexual stuff. Um, there, there's H H for horny. Yes. Okay. Um, but I mean, there. I mean, there's nudity in it, but it's not. Yeah, you get it's titty. Not, it's not that. It's well, it's the, not what it's going for. Yeah, the nudity in it is just sort of. And ancillary. It, it was Ancil- purely was background, and they never draw attention to it. Yeah, yeah. that's that's what I mean. So that, I, I, I'm not going to mark that. Um, there's also, I mean, language is definitely a thing. Violence. Um, violence. There's definitely blood. I mean, there's blood because I think I only mark it for gore. Is really. I guess I, I feel like I don't know, yeah, some people wasn't... are squeamish when it comes to blood too, though. Oh yeah! Oh, so, oh I also taking the taking the glass out of the foot. Yeah, I can definitely see Light that. Light-hearted yeah. gore. Well, <laughs> like, like played for jokes, played, played for, for laughs. Jokes. Like, oh, uh, okay. Kombat. So like Cannibal the Musical. Well, like I was thinking, like sure. like the original or like the Mortal Kombat's where there's like 15 rib cages. Okay. All right. Also, I could probably phrase it a little better. Uh, anyway, yeah, just because uh, there, there's a lot of blood and also the very graphic glass removal. Yeah. Music, um, not really. So, yeah, there's just to go through the other the things that we have we have music, charm, cinematography, uh, story, action scenes, uh, art- art- artistry. We, so, we I want to say it? right now, Christmas music is trash and garbage, and I would live a happy yeah, life. I'd say everything except for the, the first and last. I'd give a thumbs up. Yeah, because the chart, I mean, it's very, it has a really good style to it. Cinematography is fantastic. The story for what it did was actually really good, and it's written really smartly. Um, yeah, the the, 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 the minutia is really, where it really gets me, not the overall plot, but just yeah. the nitty gritty. Because the plot itself is very bare bones, but when you start to dig a little deeper, there's lots of little the things. The writing is really good. Yes, it is. But, like, aesthetically, it's just, like, standard modern urban stuff. The byplay between Willis and Rickman, and I've already forgotten the officer's real last name. Uh, Bill Johnson. Johnson. Bill Johnson. Like, the three of them have such great, like, back and forth between all Really good chemistry. Oh, yeah, fantastic. And also, Paul Gleason and William Atherton are filling those pigeonholes really well. Yeah, I mean that's that's why they got pigeonholed because they're really freaking good at it. Um, okay, so what are the yays again? I need to be sure. Uh, you could always open the thing, you know. Kiss my ass. Uh, Ab- so it's, it's definitely not campy. I mean, we have just plain cool. Uh, I would, I don't know if made of abundant love would count. That one called simply fun. Nah, and like looking at the other more general purpose stuff, I. I you still need specific ones for movies. Jesus yeah. Christ, man. Yeah, we need to... That's another thing. We can workshop that when we figure out what to do with that other thing. Yeah, what do you think of the level design of this movie? I need a... I, need... <laughs> I, I hate this buggy-ass movie. I'm tired of it. <laughs> I mean... Yeah. I mean, I would say this is definitely a simply fun... You know, it's... Yeah, well, the simply fun thing is more... There's a lot of complex things happening. Like simply fun is just like I it's just popcorn eye candy kind of thing. Okay. It's like like unfortunately there's no commando video game, so we can't take a look at it, but I would I call it. I feel commando. like we could have put simply fun for the Street Fighter movie. 
we probably could have. Hindsight 2020. Hey. Anyway, we're just yeah. getting into this. We're still in the single digits. Um, we're working at the bugs. Yeah. Too bad so. we've already peaked with Die Hard. It's all downhill <laughs> from here. I mean, we, we got stuff coming up. I can't wait till we do Silent Hill because I got thoughts. <laughs> that, I don't be, believe you. That's going to be a while. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, I think that's that's pretty good for Die Hard. Had a good color palette. I just realized I need to fix something else. Anyway. Um, to be fair, a good color palette could actually apply to a movie. It could. Yeah, yeah like um, Sin City. Yeah, like Sin City, actually. You're right. It's a very good use of color. Like that four artistry has no charm at all. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, So yeah, uh, that is going to do it for us talking about Die Hard. So before we go, uh, Axe, is there anything you want to plug? Uh, I've got a Twitch stream that is twitch.tv slash Axe. And I've also published a book. If you're interested, you can give me more details in another way. Okay. Yep. Les, you got Uh, anything? Nope. Okay. Torpo? Twitch.tv slash Torpid Typist. But also, I need to plug the holes in my feet from all this glass. Yeah, I fucking hate you. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so yeah, that is going to do it for Die Hard. So, um, yeah, with that, uh, next week we are taking a look at um, another interesting live-action movie, uh, but one uh, that is kind of different uh, in tone, actually by kind of different, I mean very different, uh, because we are taking a look at the live-action Mortal Kombat movie. Yeah! <laughs> Fucking love it so much. It's so good. Yeah. Already ranking it a one, by the way. <laughs> well, we might have to fight about that. I mean, it is, it is better than it has any right to be, but <laughs> we'll see. Also so yes, uh, that will be next week's episode. So uh, again, thank you all for watching. Thank you all for listening to Media Delta. If you want to see the full ranking list for yourself, you can go to r3.ldp.life in your browser, and that will take you straight to the list. If you would like to watch Retro Rank Rhapsody, this show's sister series in which we play the games that the shows that we are talking about on Media Delta are based on, you can watch them be recorded live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash loadedpuzzlo. Episodes are recorded live at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Fridays, 2.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Saturdays, and 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Sundays. Or, alternatively, you can watch all episodes on YouTube by going to youtube.ldp.life. You can follow the show's Twitter by going to at HazeltownStory, or my personal Twitter, at loadedpuzzlo. If you want to discuss the show with others, you can join the official Discord channel by going to discord.ldp.life in your browser, where you can also vote in polls to determine what episodes will be coming next for both RetroRank Rhapsody and Media Delta. Again, thank you all for listening, and I hope that you come back for the next episode.